How many of you have been traveling at all this summer? Like, raise your hand if you've gone on a trip anywhere this summer. I see hands up all over the place. All right, like, tell me, where have you guys been? Shout out, where have you been? Let me hear. Okay, I've heard Michigan, South Carolina, Illinois, Wilmington, Virginia, California. Wow, okay, anybody been further than California? Canada, Spain, Spain. Spain. Italy. Wow. Okay. So, wow, we have been, we have been some places this summer uh, and some amazing places. Um, But have you noticed that no matter where you go, no matter where you travel and, and no matter how amazing that place is that you go to, have you noticed that it's, it's still wonderful and comforting to come back home? It just is, right? I mean, there, we have an innate, an innate sense of, of longing for home. And, and of course, some people have grown up without a strong sense of home. There, there are those you know, who, who come from broken homes uh, and where maybe they were shuffled back and forth between mom and dad and step-parents and, and just never, never really felt totally at home either place. There are those who... Um, were, were shuffled around through the foster system. There were those who maybe were put out on the street at a very young age and, and just left to fend for themselves. And then there are others who, who lose their home at some point in their adulthood and end up sleeping under bridges or in doorways and, and really don't know where they belong anymore. All in all, there just isn't much worse than being without a home. And there isn't much better than finding home. And really, no matter whether you have a great family, you have a wonderful family, you you have a place that you call home, but even if that's true of you, there's something within the human soul that knows that we aren't fully home yet. There's still an aching within our soul for home. And we, we try to find that, uh, that place and, and, and we're drawn to so many different things to try to fill that gap and, and pacify that, that aching that we have inside. But, but the scriptures tell us where, what that aching is. They tell us that that is a longing for home. Now, one of the, the texts of scripture that, that talk about that is Psalm 84. And that's where we are this morning. Psalm 84 in our Summer of Psalms series. So I hope you have a copy of uh, scripture with you in one way or another, uh, digital or otherwise. But Psalm 84 is where we're going to be today. And this is a psalm that if you look at the title, it, it tells you that it's a psalm that was written by the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah were Levites. And so they served in the temple and, and some of them were, were a part of the worship team. They were part, like we have a worship team here at our church and there were, there were worship teams in the, in the temple and sons of Korah were part of, of some of those teams and it was surely one or more of those particular musicians that, that composed this beautiful and, and poignant song about that primal need that we have to find home. And so uh, the psalm begins this way, verse one. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. In the Hebrew, that's Yahweh. Yahweh Sabaoth. 
Yahweh of armies, literally. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of Yahweh. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. So right as the song begins, you just don't even get past the first couple of lines before you're confronted with this longing for home, this longing to find a place near God in his house. Now, of course, the immediate reference here would be to the temple. But the psalmist, he is longing to find home and he knows that he's going to find it in God. See, our souls only find home in God. Last week, we looked at the 23rd Psalm, remember? And and we heard there that this was a declaration of trust that the Lord is my shepherd. Well, here, he is my home. God is my home. Your soul will only finally find home in God. You were made for him and by him. The whole reason for your existence is is to know him and to be near him. And, And without a relationship with God, our soul is quite literally homeless, wandering through the cardboard cities of this life, trying to find a place to call home. And the writer here of this psalm is very much in touch with this longing. Like he is very aware of this longing in his soul for God and to find home with God. How about you? I wonder, you know, I find that I think a lot of believers, you'll say, well, they'll say like, yeah, I'm a believer. But it's one thing to, to be able to see all of the evidence of God around you or even to believe in in all the things that the scriptures attest to about God. But it's another thing to, to be aware of the hunger in your soul for God so that you seek hard after him. And you know that you, you've got to have God in your life and, and it's something that's, that's powerful and, and you realize that you're only going to find home in God. And so I, I hope that you have that, that, that experience of him. And I feel, I don't, it's not that I think most believers are insincere. It's just that I think that many believers have only allowed themselves a very small taste of God just little nibbles here and there, but, but never really you know, taking him in fully. Maybe you have never fully occupied yourself in God's love and just how good he really is. But you know what? Those who have or those who have just you know, figured out how empty and overhyped the pleasures of this world are and have found themselves you know, broken and and unsatisfied and finally have lifted their eyes up in a desperate search for healing and wholeness in God. Those people, they relate to what this psalm is expressing. See, C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, the appetite for God has all the cheerful spontaneity of a natural, even a physical desire. The appetite for God. Do you have an appetite for God? See, the psalmist gives voice to that appetite, doesn't he? He says, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God, 
for the living El in Hebrew, short for Elohim. In other words, the all-powerful, mighty, completely sovereign and sufficient creator God. That's who he's thinking of. And he says, everything about me, my, 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 my body, as well as my heart, is needing God. It's, it's longing for God. I'm, I'm crying out for God from the depths of my being. And you, and you can tell that nothing else will do, right? Nothing else will do for him. And, and, and when I think about that, you know, among all the things that you and I find ourselves desiring, and there's a lot of them, aren't there? Of all the things that we desire, all the things that we find ourselves craving and, and, and chasing after, there's just nothing that compares to the living God. There's just nothing like him. And if you settle for anything less than him, if you settle for anything less than finding home in God, then your expectations and your aspirations for your life are way too low. Verse 10, he says, better is one day where? in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. One day at home with God is better than a thousand anywhere else. Now, until you really know God, you won't get that verse. Like, it'll just sound like, you know, religious speak to you. But when you know how good God really is, when you have really experienced the healing power of his love, you will never want to be away from him. He goes on in verse 10 to say, I would rather be a what? A doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Listen to that. Better to be a doorman in God's house than to be spiritually homeless on easy street. See, in, uh, in Milton's famous classic, Paradise Lost, some of you had to read in school, Satan famously says, Better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. You know, and a lot of men and women have bought in to that line. But as Charles Spurgeon once pointed out, the reality is that God's worst is better than the devil's best, right? And Shane and Shane, they sang in their song that's based on this psalm, they said, in the doorway of my father's house, I'm home. He goes on in verse 11 to say, for Yahweh, God is a sun and shield. Yahweh bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Yahweh almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. No good thing does he withhold? That's not how the world sees God, is it? See, Satan has spread some vicious lies about God. He has convinced a lot of people, people all around us, people in your life, that God has nothing good to bring to their life. That, that God really has nothing meaningful to offer them at all. If anything, God is always withholding the best things in life from them or trying to, forbidding them, barring our way to them. 
because he doesn't want us to have them. He doesn't want us to enjoy them. See, that warped view of God, that couldn't be any further from the truth. God created so many good things because he enjoys watching us enjoy them. As long as we stay within the guardrails that he has set to keep us good and safe, no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And that's why he's taught us what it looks like to live a blameless life. Not to keep us back, but because that's the pathway to the good stuff, the truly good stuff in life. And the devil has, has not only spread a lot of lies about God, you know, he's also spread a lot of lies about sin. He's convinced a lot of people the world over that sin is good, that, that it's, it's liberating, it's invigorating, it's, it's what brings pleasure to our lives. And we deserve it. And again, nothing could be further from the truth. Sin is corrupted pleasure. Sin, is, sin takes something that was good in some form and, and warps it and distorts it and deforms it into something bad. And, and whatever pleasure we get from it, it, it steals from us something that was much, much more valuable, something that was much more precious. And that's why you will not find sin in God's house. Not because it's against the rules, but because it's against us. And, and these longings that you see here in, in Psalm 84 about finding home with God in the temple courts, they, they lead the composer to contemplate those who share his longing and who will make this long journey there. He says in verse five, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on what? on pilgrimage, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. See, the Israelites who, who didn't live nearby were expected to make the journey to Jerusalem at least three times a year. And so they would close down shop and they would load up their, their pack animals and they would make the trek to Jerusalem to be as near to God as possible. And see, these, these, these pilgrimages, they were a microcosm of the spiritual journey that all of us take, that we all have to take. In fact, that's, that's the meaning behind our name as a church, Cross Trail. It's about that journey. So life itself is a pilgrimage home. That's what it is. Life is a pilgrimage home. And when we get disillusioned, like we often do, by the sad condition of the world around us, after we have done everything we can to try to make it better, we have to remember that we are just traveling through on our way home. See, is your heart set on pilgrimage is your heart set on pilgrimage? Because if you are, this Psalm says you're blessed. You're fortunate. Why? Because God is with those who are moving towards him. He's with those who, who will not settle for what the world has to offer and are moving towards him. 
And, and if finding home is, is where your heart is set and, and, and finding him and being near him is where your intent is, then you know what? You're going to find yourself with a whole different grade of inner strength to help you along the journey there. See, any pilgrimage includes some rough spots along the way, doesn't it? Verse six, he says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. Now, this is an easy verse to not understand, okay? The valley of Baca, the word Baca means weeping, So as they pass through the valley of weeping, see the way home invariably passes through some some low places in life that are filled with tears. Someone dear to us dies, a child loses their way, an unwelcome diagnosis comes, a friend betrays, our spouse abandons us, Or maybe the tears are of our own making. Maybe a terrible mistake is made. Our reputation sullied. A love lost. An opportunity wasted. And and the pain is intense and the tears flow and they fall. And and, and sometimes you just, all you can do is, you know, just bury your face in your hands and weep, right? He says, They make the valley of weeping a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. See, sometimes it seems like the tears just won't ever end. Sometimes they just keep on flowing like a spring. You know, just about the time that you think your tears have finally dried up, they're rolling down your cheeks again. Sometimes the sadness just, just seems to come and stay. And, and sometimes the rain just keeps falling and, and that heavy cloud of, of depression just kind of sits on your shoulders and it feels like it's not ever going to lift. But the flow of our tears, get this, the flow of our tears is met and matched by the flow of God's divine grace. Yeah. What happens to us as we pass through the valley of weeping and come out the other side? Verse seven, they go from what? All right, from strength to strength. In other words, we just keep getting stronger. Yeah, we, we patiently endure while we have to slog through the mud slowly of the valley of weeping, but but we refuse to cave in to the despair of staying in the valley of weeping forever, right? And and whenever we, each time that we decide to, to gather ourselves and to look to God and to move forward, we just get stronger. Our resolve to make it home just gets more powerful. We just get more and more resilient along the way. And why, why do we get stronger? Because, because our own strength has given out, right? We, we get to a point where you know, our own strength just gives out. We've, we've wept and, and spent so much time grieving or, or fretting and, and being frustrated and, and hurt that, that like, we just don't have anything left to give at some point. 
And that's when God comes in and lends us his strength. When our strength is gone, he comes in and gives us his strength. Remember verse five, blessed are those whose strength is in what? In you, right? In you, God. Because once you've come to the end of your own strength and you've learned to rely on God's strength, you know, you, you, you discover that you found a resource there that will never fail you. It's an incredible resource. And a person who has learned to rely on God's strength is not easily beaten. And the closer that we get to home, the more strength there is to draw on to complete our pilgrimage. Look at verse seven again. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Okay, so this is the apex of our journey. This is where we're headed. This is when we finally get where we're going, when we, when we come into God's presence finally and at last. See, this is classified as a Psalm of Zion. See, Zion, you may, you may know, is the, the, the name of the mountain on which the temple in Jerusalem is built. And so by virtue of the sanctuary that's there and, and the Ark of the Covenant that, that was within the sanctuary and, and the promises of God to be present in that sanctuary, Mount Zion was viewed as God's house, that it was viewed as, as his earthly throne. Now, for those of us on this side of the cross, Zion for us represents anywhere that God is. And especially it points us to heaven. It points us to the new Jerusalem. It points us to the city of God that will stand tall and majestic in the new earth and will be our forever home. And that's, that's where this song takes my mind. That's what we live for, right? That's what we long for to finally and forever be at home with God. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, I want you to know this is your inheritance. Like this is what God has promised you. And it's coming as sure as this world. Now, no matter what unforeseen detours life takes you down, no matter what wrong turns you take along the way, whatever assaults that you have to endure in your life, as long as you don't lose sight of home, you'll never be lost. You know, soldiers <clears throat> who have to go away and fight overseas, they are able to, to get through that. They're able to make their way through the, 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 the worst days of loss and, and the stench and, and the pain of the battlefield by setting their hearts on home. And they think about home and it's a much more powerful and potent thing than you might imagine. There's more than you can imagine. So many soldiers have made it out of war alive because they kept their hearts set on home. They remembered that there was a home waiting for them. They remembered that if they could just persevere, if they could just get through what they were going through, the hell that they were experiencing, that there was a home that they could go back to, that there were people waiting for them that loved them and were gonna welcome them back home. If you're a fan of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, you may recall in how 
You know, throughout that whole perilous journey that, that Frodo and Sam and Mary and Pippin took to, to destroy the ring of power, that whenever the path got the darkest, the thing that kept them going was their thoughts of home, right? Remember that? They, they would start talking about home and they would start imagining what, what, what it looked like. They would start imagining the sights and the sounds and the tastes and the smells of home, the Shire. And that's what would pick them back up and get them able to keep moving forward on this incredibly hard quest that they were undertaking together. There's just nothing quite like the allure of home. So don't lose sight of it. Don't ever forget about home. You know, I've lost several very close loved ones in my life. Most notably, Kathy, my late wife of 19 years. My very best friend, Paul. My stepdad, Case. And the separations in those losses, man, that's, that's hard. It's hard. But it gives me so much comfort to know that each one of those people lived their lives longing for home. And to know that they finally arrived there. And to know that, that one day, see, and, and I look forward to the day when one day I will step in the door of my father's house and be fully and finally at home. See, and I know that when he comes to embrace me, he won't come alone. And that all the people that I love that are his will be there to greet me too. Do you want to find home? You know, let me just wrap this up by going back to an earlier part of the psalm that I intentionally skipped over. Verse three and four. Even the sparrow has what? Has found a home and a swallow, a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Yahweh Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. So as, as the psalmist sits there in front of the temple, or maybe he's inside one of the courts as he's writing this song, he, he notices this little bird, this either a sparrow or a swallow, and it's made its nest somewhere there in the temple, maybe up on top of one of the columns, maybe in the eaves, but he, he notices the bird nest. He sees the bird flying in and out of the nest, and, he, and the thought that is impressed on his heart is, is so beautiful. It's, it's that even this most common little bird has found a home with God in his house. And the reason that this little bird has been able to find herself a home with God is because, first of all, she was looking for a home. Secondly, God's house was there and it was available to her. And third, she decided to move in. And see, that's the very same way that you and I can find a home with God. Until you go looking for home, you're not going to find it. You've got to look for home. And, and, and also, once you do, you're going to discover that you don't have to build this house 
with you and God yourself. It's already been built for you. That's what Jesus came to earth to do. All you have to do is decide to move in. And so the next steps that I, I want to encourage you to take are, first of all, some of you here, or maybe those of you who are watching online, you need to come home. You need to come home to God. You, you've been spiritually homeless for too long. You've been wandering for long enough now. I mean, what if you could finally feel that you have found home? See, you can. You can. Doesn't matter how ordinary you are. Doesn't matter how insignificant you feel. Doesn't matter how far away from God you have been up until this day, this moment. You can find home. And that image of that little bird making her home with God, it reminds me of what Jesus said when he said, you know, not even a sparrow falls to the earth dead without your heavenly father knowing and caring. But he cares so much more for you. And then once you have come home to God, the second thing you need to do is to set your sights on home. You gotta keep your, your sights set on home. When you read Psalms of Zion this week through our reading plan that, that goes along with this series, you're gonna be reading other Psalms of Zion. And, and when you read those Psalms, I just wanna encourage you to let those Psalms take your mind and your heart to your forever home. Let them take you to, to how God has invited you home, to your inheritance, to, to where you belong. And, and you might also enjoy reading the last two chapters of the Bible, where we have so many images that John the Apostle gives us from his vision of our forever home. And just let, the, let that resonate in your heart. There's a booklet you could pick up on your way out the door on our info table called Heaven. You can pick it up, it's free. Just You can take it and you can take it home and you can read it and just let it fill your mind with thoughts of home. But what I want you to remember is when you get discouraged, when you get down, when you get disillusioned, I want you to remember always this world is not your home.